Previously, on a romp across Aethna. I never would have been sane enough to care for you if I did not bring your killers to justice. Why are you wanting to go to Hilarion? That's nearly on the other side of the planet. I have never seen that symbol before. It's a beautiful amulet, though. A romp across Aethna. Episode 2. A wet night in Stone Ridge Meadows. Frantic shouts from Freyna interrupt your peaceful dreams. The screams and shoves are enough to spike your adrenaline, causing you to jerk your body upward. As you shield your eyes, a growing feeling of despair washes over you as you feel the sun's radiant heat from above. Get up! We've overslept! Freyna shouts. Oh no, this is bad. Mother is going to kill me! You scramble to your feet, shouldering your longsword and backpack in a hurry. Freyna does her best to assist you, handing you the food she made for your trip. After you madly throw them in your pack, you pull each other into a final embrace. You squeeze every part of her as a last reminder of what you're leaving behind. When you pull away, you can see tears forming in her eyes. She tries to mask them with a smile. Thank you for the wonderful night last night. I won't forget it. You promise to write to her and hold the night you both shared in your heart forever. The words only seem to upset her further. Go, she says, sniffling. You don't want to be late on your first day of the job. You reach out your hand toward her shoulder, only to pull it back at the last second. After tightening your shoulder strap, you turn and jump off the nearby hill ledge. Your boots skirt along the dirt, allowing you to slide into a full-on sprint. You race through the town once more, waving your last goodbyes to all those you see. The sudden realization that it could be months or even years before you return leaves you with a feeling of homesickness. However, as quickly as the feeling comes, you push it outside of your mind and concentrate on your breathing. The crossroads is nearly a mile from the center of town and where you agreed to meet Lady Raxa. As you continue to run, you reminisce on the last encounter you had with the white-furred woman. When you last met, her predatory eyes never once looked at you as you spoke with her about taking you along her route. Not because she was scared or nervous, but she spoke to you as if you were beneath her. A feeling that begins to make your blood boil. You're confident she isn't even a noble, and does not deserve the title of lady. However, you dared not question her, for she was the only caravan owner who agreed to allow you to work for the trip instead of pay. You are able to be a part of the guard detail, protecting the caravan from any threats along the journey. Your heart sinks as you approach the crossroads, gasping for air. You place your hands on top of your head as you attempt to get your breathing under control. You wipe your sweaty forehead on your shoulder as you look down the perpendicular road. The way she should have traveled was barren. Only a clear dirt road and sounds of nearby birds lingered. You turn the other direction and cup your hand above your brow. As you squint, you're confident you see the top edge of a wagon descend below the curvature of the nearby hill. A curse is all that you can muster as you drift back into your stride. A taste of iron fills your mouth as you swallow in between pants, making a false promise to yourself never to allow this to happen again. You ask yourself why you packed so much shit once the incline begins. 
Your entire body feels like it's being dipped in acid as your stride slows down. Once you reach the top of the hill, you're thankful that the four-wagon caravan was full of supplies, trinkets, and gear, keeping the Mare Hun's pace to a brisk walk. You cup your hands over your mouth and give a shout to wait, only to have it ignored as the caravan continues on its journey. You see two heads pop out from the closest wagon's flaps. The men holler snide cheers at you as you make your final sprint down the hill. When you reach the wagon, you throw your bag at one of the men as another reaches out his clawed hand toward you. You grasp it, and the black-furred baron pulls you in with little ease. You fall into the floor of the cramped wagon, gasping for air. You smile as they raise you for being late, christening you with the nickname Dilly. As you sit up and lean against a nearby chest, the two men introduce themselves. The large black-furred baron's name is Chorus, and the long-eared rabbit-folk man with a scar over his left eye greets you as Finnick. A gray-furred mouse-folk man, wearing spectacles and a thistle hat, peeks his head through the front of the wagon to introduce himself as Uriah. When asked about where each of them is from, you realize that they're all strangers with stories much like your own. Every one of them took this job as a guard and teamster in an effort to get to their eventual destination. You learn that Chorus hailed from Kerbatul. However, he joined the caravan to migrate south, hoping to escape the harsh northern cold. He's also looking forward to the fish in the southern rivers, which he heard were described as thick and succulent. Finnick joined the caravan to stop at Twins Crossing and hopes to jump onto another caravan heading east. His ultimate destination is Verve, the eastern oasis where, if you have enough coin, anything is possible. The next few days are a matter of routine. In the early mornings, you spend time hunting with Finnick, using the spare bow he brought with him. During the first morning you spend with the crew, you quickly learn of Finnick's excellent marksmanship skills. While your skills with a bow are good enough to hunt, Finnick's ability to hit a sprinting rodent from 50 yards away is something that impresses you. Thanks to his skills, you feel better about not having to worry about eating through all the provisions you brought with you. During the remainder of the day, you rotate through various obligations required of you. While you're on shift, you patrol alongside the caravan or sit in the front of the wagon with Uriah, ensuring the area is clear of dangers. The flat hills of the Midlands make it easy to see for miles in nearly every direction. Even so, you take your work seriously, given the number of threats it could approach without warning. You know that the Flathorns are the largest threat in the area. From childhood, your father taught you to look out for the Minotaur men with the cut, shaved horns. They are Minotaur who did something to deserve banishment from their tribe. As punishment, the tribe's shaman saw down their horns and magically cursed them to never grow back. Given a minotaur's horns are sacred in their culture, for many of them, this is a punishment worse than death. The days go by without incident, until you're about to reach Stone Ridge Meadows, a small settlement in a secluded part of the nearby forest between your home of Bloomfield and your first destination, Twins Crossing. After a long day of guard duty, you climb into the back of the wagon to try to catch some sleep. The sporadic drips of rainfall pattering on top of the covered caravan. 
Make it easy for you to relax and get some rest. You hear and feel two booming thuds on the wooden caravan, causing you to jump from your slumber. You rub your heavy eyes to see Chorus's head peeking through the back of the wagon's flaps. He wipes his paw across his face, wiping the rain from his fur. He tells you to get up and help them with the wagon. When you ask him what's wrong, he informs you it's stuck in the mud. Out of habit, you grab your sword, tighten the scabbard's belt across your chest, and pull the hood of your cloak over your head. With a small jump, you land into the thick mud of the dirt road below. Chorus shouts through the deafening roar of the thunder and the heavy thud of the rain. He instructs that he, you, and Finnick are going to push from the back while Uriah and the Marehuns are going to pull. After a quick shout to Uriah, you dig your shoulder into the back of the wagon and push with all your might. The effort does little more than rock the wagon back and forth. The thickness of the mud makes it difficult for you to get any traction. After several more attempts, Chorus tells you all to stop. You follow him up to Uriah, where Chorus notes that the rest of the caravan is pulling too far away, not realizing you all are stuck. He suggests to Uriah that he sprints up to the next caravan, while you three guard it. The two men argue before they both raise a single fist. They lower their fists forward and lift them back up, counting down toward three. It's evident that Uriah lost by his excessive profanity. The whiskered man grabs and lights a torch before making his way down the road. As you look out that way, you see the back of the caravan less than a hundred yards farther out, thanks to the glowing covered lanterns that hang from metal rods along each wagon's corners. Finnick joins you and Chorus at the front of the wagon, complaining that you all don't get paid enough to be out in a storm like this. You all agree before Chorus lights up his pipe. He offers it to you, but you politely decline, recognizing the smell of funk weed. The hair on the back of your neck stands up when you hear a loud shout from down the road. You jerk your head to the right to see nothing but darkness. When asked if they heard the shout, your two companions slowly nod their heads. Chorus asks you to check it out after handing you a lit torch. Unsure of whether he's doing so out of his own fear or confidence in your abilities, you grab the torch and turn to the dark road. You hear shouts from your co-workers to be careful, which you wave off. After taking a few steps forward, a sinking feeling in your gut compels you to draw your sword. The heavy rain makes it difficult to see or hear anything around you, keeping you on edge as you make your way to your destination. You make brief glances behind you, ensuring nothing approaches your flank. Your movements freeze, and your torch illuminates a trail of blood. You quickly look around for a sign of a foe, only to notice large paw prints separate from your eyes. Recalling your training, you bend down and recognize them as wolf tracks. You question whether you should move forward to try to find Uriah, or quickly return to Chorus and Finnick to tell them what you found. After a moment of hesitation, you decide on the former and follow the trail. The rain has nearly washed out the drops of blood. The blood trail curves to your left near the tree line. As you reach the edge of the road, you hear Uriah call to you. You raise your torch above your head to see the shivering mouse folk high above you in a nearby tree. You notice him clutching a bloodied arm. 
The wound is severe enough to paint the length of the tree red. Before you can say anything, he points and shouts, warning you of an incoming danger from behind. The weight and size of the beast overwhelms you, knocking you back onto the ground. Thankfully, luck is on your side. Instead of its maw clasping around your throat, you've got your sword. Your body slides in the mud while the wolf pushes forward. You bring up your other hand for support when your back reaches the nearby embankment, nearly pressing the blade into your neck. You wince as the edge of your father's sword cuts through your glove and into your hand. The pain acts as a catalyst for your mind to think quickly. You kick the wolf in the ribs repeatedly as hard as you can. Eventually, the third is enough for the wolf to whimper and fall off, just in time for you to grab your dagger and plunge it into the beast's throat. Unfortunately, you have no time for respite. Pain radiates through your left foot as you feel something clamp onto your boot. You scream as you're dragged back into the road by another wolf. You crunch your body forward, bringing your long sword across the wolf's snout. It slumps dead, with its muzzle still latched to your boot. You glance around to ensure there are no more nearby threats before noticing your amulet glowing red. It doesn't distract you long, as the pain in your foot pulls your attention. When you examine your boot, you notice that there are no puncture wounds that you can see. You decide to stand. Pain shoots through your leg as you put pressure on it, causing you to lean on your sword like a crutch. You shift more and more weight on it until, to your surprise, the pain soon fades. Next, you examine the cut on your hand. Your glove is stained with your blood. However, the cut along your hand has completely healed. Looking down at your amulet, you watch as the red light fades from it. Left with more questions than answers, you grab your fallen torch, thankful it's still lit, and call to Uriah. The man's words stumble with fear, refusing to come down from the tree until you make certain all the wolves are dead. At the sounds of barking and roars coming from your wagon, you shout to Uriah that you'll be right back. With two wolves slain, you sprint back to your comrades. You slide to a halt when you reach the wagon. The battle's carnage sprawled before you. Four wolves lie motionless in the surrounding forest, each looking like a pincushion thanks to Phoenix arrows. Three other wolf bodies surround Chorus, their bodies hewn in pieces thanks to his two-handed axe. A lone wolf twice as large as the others slowly steps toward the men, baring its teeth. You catch it off guard, sprinting full speed at the beast. The tip of your longsword pierces its side. With a guttural roar, you lift your blade with all your might, severing the creature's spine in half. Its lifeless body falls to the ground. You wipe the blade with your sleeve and return it to your scabbard. Rushing back to your companions, you find both men leaning against a wagon's wheel, bleeding. While passing Chorus's pipe between them, they give you their thanks between coughing fits. You jump into the wagon. Grab some cloth for bandages before returning to tie up both of their wounds. Fairly certain they aren't going to bleed out, you let them know you're going to run ahead and get help. Before you make it more than five paces, you stop at the sound of approaching Marehund hooves. Lady Roxa, along with several guards, stops in front of you. You there! She shouts at you. Tell me what happened and make it quick! Her irate tone is almost too much for you to handle. 
You stare at the ground and take a deep breath before looking back up and explaining what happened during the attack. Chorus and Finnick are quick to add how you saved their lives. After the other Teamsters finish ensuring the cargo is safe, Lady Rax's attitude shifts. It looks like you did your job and managed to keep my cargo secure. Commendable. She says, before turning and shouting orders. Varric, get off your hand and help Chorus and Finnuck. Master Wells, please see to Uriah and get him out of that damn tree. And you, she says, looking down at you. Go grab the rest of your gear. Mount Varric's Marehound and follow me. You do as you're told, wary of Lady Rax's shift in personality. After jumping into the saddle of the mare hunt, you follow Lady Raxa toward the town. The ride is short, thanks to your mare hunt speed. You pass over a small river, opening up the surroundings from the nearby forest. As if the clouds ran out of water, the rain immediately stops. The town sits inside a meadow, giving you an unrestricted view of the buildings and surrounding farmland. There are a few dozen houses, shops, and warehouses congregated around the central road that continues south. In the hills that surround the town, you can see cleared farmland, mills, and other homes. It's small but quaint, Lady Raxa says, her eyes scanning across the horizon. Come on, we're just a bit further. You two slowly trot down the road and into the town. You notice the crew parked the caravan near a large warehouse, where the remaining Teamsters are already unloading the cargo. Your employer leads you to a two-story building with a sign that reads, Mary Beth's. From the kitchen ambiance, sounds of conversation and number of people going in and out, you assume this is some sort of tavern. Lady Raxa jumps off of her mare hunt and ties it to a hitching post. Wait for me here. I'll be back in a moment. After a few minutes pass, you see her exit from the front of the inn, and she makes her way over to you. Go on in and speak with the hostess Arami. I've already informed her to expect you. As I thank you for tonight, I'll be covering your room and board. After you demount the mare hunt, Lady Raxa jumps on hers and grabs the other's reins from you. Before you leave, she motions for you to come closer to her. Oh, and before you go, take this. She says, reaching into her pouch and handing you a few gold coins. Consider it a bonus for saving Chorus and Fanuck. Your jaw drops. You never expected this from Lady Raxa. She's always seemed too full of herself and uncaring. You half expected her to bring you into town to fire you. The quick change in her attitude reminds you not to judge anyone before you get to know them. You express your thanks, only for her to pull the Marahuns away. Yeah, that's more like what I expected, you think to yourself. With a sore body, empty stomach, and very in need of a bath, you head into Mary Beth's, looking forward to spending some hard-earned coin. Well, hello, sugar. Welcome to Mary Beth's. My name is Arami. How can I help you? Ah, you must be the man that Lady Roxa just spoke to me about, aren't you? I figured as much. Now, if you don't mind me saying, you look like you could use some rest and relaxation. You're covered head to toe in mud. Your shirt looks like it's got a few claw marks on it. And is that your blood? Wolves? Not of the wear kind, I'm hoping. Wow, 
And you managed to take care of all of them? Well, I hope your employer is paying you a little something extra for all the trouble. That's good. I'm sure you had such a rough time getting into town. I don't know what's been going on lately. Seems like someone's kicked a bee's nest and pissed all the local wildlife off. We've been complaining to the sheriff and mayor, but those good-for-nothing dopes won't get off their asses if someone were to set them on fire. And that's not even all of it. There's all this odd stuff happening around town. Clothes go missing off the clothing line. Fresh batches of stew go bad while it's cooking. And farm animals get loose from their pens. <sighs> it's been a hectic few months. Many of the townsfolk are scared, thinking we've upset Fjord with our recent farm expansions. The town has doubled in size in recent weeks since we're on the main road headed from Sanguine to Twins Crossing. We even erected a shrine to the goddess that cost a fortune. What's even weirder is that while the offerings are accepted, things don't seem to get any better. There's also been these cryptic notes being left behind, but it's probably just some of the kids playing a prank. I take those down every morning I see them. Yeah, it is odd, and no one knows what to do. But I don't mean to bother you with all that nonsense. Sounds like you've had enough on your plate coming in as is. So tell me, how long do you plan on staying? Oh, just the night? And then you're continuing on in the morning. Very well, I can certainly help with that. Now we offer two types of rooms, private and shared. Private is exactly how it sounds. You get your own bed, trunk, wastebasket, and wash basin. The shared rooms have everything the private rooms have, but you're sharing it with three other people. It's cheaper if you want to save a little coin. So which would you prefer? Good. I think you'll be much happier with your own room. We're also offering a special for an additional two silver that includes breakfast and dinner. Yeah, that delicious smell is the dinner. Boris, our cook, is preparing a local game covered in a house marinade rubbed with salt and ground pepper. It comes with a side of fresh vegetables. It's very hearty and filling on a cool night like tonight. Good choice. Do you want to eat down in the common area? We'll have it delivered to your room. Can do. You said you wanted a cup of cold ale with that. Let me just write this down and we'll get you sorted. Now, about those mudded clothes. You may not know this since you're just passing through, but Mary Beth is known for our baths. We're one of the few inns within hundreds of miles to have our own heated bathing rooms. We got private tubs we fill with warm water, allowing you to soak and relax for as long as your heart desires. But that's not all. If you're looking to de-stress after a long journey, we also have a deluxe package. As part of that service, one of our beautiful staff will join you during your bath. They're provided with soap and shampoo, and will scrub you down until you shine like a piece of platinum. Once they're finished with the bath, 
They'll rub you down in perfumed oils, making sure the only thing you smell of is lavender and honey, which I can attest to will make any woman weak in the knees. Oh, what's that? Extra services beyond that? Oh, sir, I am appalled that you would ask such a thing. <laughs> We're a highly respected business, not some run-of-the-mill brothel. It depends on how well you behave, and if the lady's interested. But it never hurts to ask if you've got the coin. Great. I'll put you down for our deluxe package, then. Now, shall I take you to the room where you can set your things? All right. After you set your gear there, I'll take you to the bathrooms. I'll help prepare the bath, and one of our staff will join you shortly thereafter. Let me just grab the keys. Okay. Follow me right this way. Oh, wonderful. The fire is still going and the tub is ready for you. That sure helps me, son. I'll have to thank one of the girls. Feel free to get undressed while I pour the water in. Just put your clothes off to the side, and I'll grab them to have one of the girls clean and dry them for you. Nothing's worse than taking a hot bath and having to put on dirty clothes right after. Oh, you got some spare clothes in your pack. That's smart of you. Oh, oh, wow. No, 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 nothing's wrong. I just... <clears throat> I'll just need to make a quick change to the staff who'll be attending you. You just lay in the water, let the warmth wrap around you, and relax. Someone will be right with you, okay? Oh, good evening, sir. My name is Thalia. I'll be assisting you this evening. I've brought towels for the both of us. The shampoo, soap, and oils. Yes, for the both of us. <laughs> well, of course I'm getting undressed. You do realize what you've purchased, right? Exactly. And I'm not about to walk around in wet clothes. So, tell me. Do you like what you see? Should I strip as well? Very well. Let me get out of this corset. It can always be a pain to get off. Oh, so sweet. I appreciate the offer. But you stay right there and enjoy the show. I want you to be comfortable. So, what do you think? <laughs> oh, that look on your face tells me everything I need to know. I get compliments all the time from our patrons. These bad boys are more than a handful for any man. Minotauruses are known for our voluptuous breasts and hourglass figures. Oh, you like good ass, too. <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, let me slide this dress off these wide hips. 
Tell me, does this view please you? I can see by your jaw nearly hitting the water that you must be pleased. I bet you didn't think a girl with these curves could bend that far, did you? <laughs> if I am to your satisfaction, shall I begin? I am going to begin by lathering this cloth and cleaning every inch of your body. I will make every effort to make this as relaxing as possible. However, my goal at this point is to make sure you're clean. Mm, forgive me if this is too forward, but I can't help but want to take my time. It's like uh, cleaning hard marble. I can appreciate all the hard work you put into your body. I am assuming it is a vocational requirement for someone like yourself, judging by that sword in the corner. Do you train separately, or does it just come naturally through the job? Oh, I'm sure. Perfection doesn't come without hard work. <laughs> well, I'm a little jealous then. I eat one piece of Boris's honey brittle and it goes straight to my ass. Thank you for the compliment. I do try to work hard for this figure. Nothing quite as vigorous as yourself, but I do eat healthy when I can and help out with the more physical tasks the job requires. Oh, do you know, chopping wood, getting logs in for the fires, loading and unloading supplies, things like that. I'm done with your top half, so I'm going to work on the bottom. Mmm. These thick thighs and calves, they are a weak spot for me. I just love a man with thick legs. You always see the ones that focus on their upper body and then walk around like some aliens with their thin bird legs. No, thank you. You never see someone who focuses on their lower half with a thin upper half, you know? This leg is done. Just let me grab your other one. Oh, that's, uh, that's not your leg. <laughs> oh, I can see why Ermi asked for me. Would something like that, you would have split several of the girls in two. Some of these smaller girls, like the mouse folk or the catson, well, they would probably have had a hard time. That's why we always have to keep a wide variety of girls on staff. For all the different species. For the bigger species, like the Minotaur, Dwarves, or mm, someone such as yourself. We have girls like me, who can handle a bit more. Alright, I am done with the front. Let's get that back of yours. Hmm... Do you have any stories to go with these scars? There's so many. A scarf with a woven? What were you doing with one of them? Well, look at you. A man with a great body and a good heart. You're just a full package and more ways than one, aren't you? All right, that should be good. 
Let's get you out of here, dried off and oiled up. Aramis said you'd asked about the extra services. I'm glad you did. We just need to get you dry first. I'll start with your head. Mm, to your neck. Down your arms. Over your chest. Your back. Down your legs. Your feet. And then... <laughs> Looks like you're just as ready as I am. Sit down on this stool. Oh, gods, I love the smell of this oil. It reminds me of a fresh meadow. Here, smell it. Doesn't it smell good? Just imagine how good you're going to smell when I'm done with you. Now, I'm going to work this into your body. That moan is what I expected. These farm hands will get all that soreness out of you. And just like last time, I'll start with your head. Mm, down your neck. Over these muscled arms. Mm, to your chest. Down your back. To your legs. And your feet. And for that big member of yours, I'm going to rub this oil all over my beautiful teats for you. <laughs> I can see that look in your eyes. You weren't ready, were you? You didn't think my breast could cover your massive cock, did you? You should have realized I'm a professional who loves what she does. Oh, I can already feel you pulsing in between each thrust. Is that good, isn't it? Don't be shy. You can tell me. Oh, you're leaking pre-cum already. Maybe you were hornier than you let on. I wonder what would happen if I... Mmm, that tasted as good as it looked. You're going to have to give me more. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
a lot. You were really built up, weren't you? <laughs> mm. 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 It's so good too. Oh, I don't want to miss any of this. Mm. I need to lick every last bit. Mm. You're still hard, too. You what? You want me to bend over? Hmm. All right. But only because you've been such a good customer. Hmm. <laughs> oh. 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 Fuck. I knew it was big, but... Mm, Celestre, help me. Mm. Oh, oh, you're still going. Oh, oh God. Uh, it's oh, so far inside me. Oh, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh,
I, oh, I don't think I can take this. Oh, I, oh, I think I'm going to come already. Yes, yes. in the morning. Mm, I am not letting 
any of this go to waste. <laughs> You're sensitive. Mm, you made me come harder and faster than anyone I've ever been with. I could barely stand there for half of it. <laughs> You're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Now that was just what I needed at the end of my shift. I've never been fucked like that before. And for that, I think you deserve a special reward. Hmm. Where am I going after this? Why do you want to know? Well, since my shift is over and I am worn out, I was going to relax in bed and read or something. No, it's here in the basement. All the staff share common room, which is nice because it's free, but Eremy snores something awful. Uh, you want me to stay the night with you? In your room? Hmm. You're not thinking you're going to get something extra without paying, are you? Oh, that does sound kind of nice. Are you sure? No one has ever asked me that before. <laughs> well, if you insist. All right. I'll go grab my things and be by your room in ten minutes or so. Hmm. Okay, then. Hmm. I'll see you soon. Episode summary. Equipment changed. Clean pair of torn commoner's clothes. Minus one torch. The mysterious amulet. Unlocked hidden power. Quick healing. Unidentified potential. Plus three gold. XP gained. Two wolves slain. 200 XP. One alpha wolf slain. 200 XP. Talia's services and happiness. 200 XP. This was A Romp Across Ethna, Episode 2, A Wet Night in Stone Ridge Meadows. Narrated by Rebecca Woods. Freyna performed by Lady Elise VA. Lady Raxa performed by Endemian VA. Arami performed by Rebecca Woods. Talia performed by Just the Queenie. Audio production by Bushida Blasta. Written and produced by Ajax Ligon. Thank you so much for listening to our production. If you enjoyed this performance, please consider subscribing to Ajax's Patreon at patreon.com slash There you will gain early access to unreleased episodes of A Romp Across Ethna, art of the various characters of Ethna, participate in community events, and more. Make sure to follow all of the artists and performers on social media, which will be linked in the description. Thank you again, and we hope to have you back for Episode 3, A Faithful Encounter. <laughs>